The following is a presentation of the Pro Wrestling Report, TV and radio. Informative, entertaining, and real since 1998. that he does have. 
He's the third man in the commentary booth along with Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Also joined tonight uh, in one match by Staggerly Marshall and in another match, in our opening match, by Iron Mike Tanay. Matthew, they've got five guys they call matches all showing up on a pay-per-view. Don't you think it's a little clustered? Oh, yeah, but that kind of just fits the form with WCW, the brand with 72 people on their roster. WCW, baby. Well, let's talk about the show does open up (coughs) with the Ultimo Dragon and Rey Mysterio, but beforehand, they talk to the commentary team, or the commentary team talks to us, lets us know that the WCW Championship Committee has said there will be no substitutions for Kevin Nash not having his partner Scott Hall on the tag team match. So that means that Kevin Nash, who has demanded some stipulations to the match in order to go one-on-two, will have to defend the tag team championships on his own. He cannot substitute anybody in against Steiners tonight. But the opening match, Ultimo Dragon taking on Ray Mysterio Jr. (coughs) Excuse me. The Ultimate Dragon taking on Ray Mysterio Jr. And, um, you know, obviously, Tanae on there. And, you know, Tanae does a great job. You ever get to one of these, though, where I understand we've got four people calling a match. You've got Dusty. You've got Bobby. You've got Tony. And then you got Mike. At the very least, it's balanced because, technically, you have two play-by-plays and two color commentaries. Yeah. It does take away a little bit from the match, but an amazing match. Ray finishes out as the winner. Your thoughts? Ultimate Dragon taking on Ray Mysterio Jr. These cruiserweight matches are always a great way to start the show. This match was no exception. I tell you, the more and more I see of Ultimate Dragon, the more and more impressed I am. I know Mysterio is the one who seems to be getting the push, the one they're trying to, for the most part, build the division around, but I, I think Ultimo Dragon is the one. He is the guy in that division. I just watching this match, it, it seems like I mean he was responsible for so much of the the, the meat and potatoes of this match. Yeah, yeah, I really like watching him, watching him go. I mean, and both of these guys are extremely talented. But but one one grievance that I do have with Mysterio, so many of his pay per view victories as of late, they've been with the head scissors into the kind of the, the victory roll type of deal, kind of the quick roll up. And I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. That's just, it, it's one thing when it, that type of win kind of comes out of nowhere like that or a small package win, but I, he is, that's become his finisher basically is the head scissors into the quick roll up. And I think it's fun when you use it as an unexpected finish, but I just don't necessarily like it. Uh, every match because they continue to sell it as this quick surprise finish. And, and it's not because that is the finish to most Mysterio matches now. So 95% of the match is great, but I just don't like to see them go back to the well for this quick out of nowhere finish that he does every time, but I'm still surprised at the finish. I got to talk about Lee Marshall here. Lee Marshall literally I don't know if he's just drunk on power because he got backstage interview segments during a pay-per-view, but uh, Lee Marshall goes up to the locker room door of Kevin Nash. All right, Kevin Nash, get out here. I told you, boy, you're going to answer to me. Who the hell does Lee Marshall think he is? I mean, it's one thing that if you're going to do that to Rey Mysterio or Ultimate right. Dragon or even, you know, Six or whatever, 
Dude, you're doing that to somebody who's seven foot tall and almost 300 pounds. He climbs in the ring over the top rope. Right. And Staggerly Marshall, I mean, that's a strong mustache, sir, but it's not strong enough to beat a jackknife powerbomb. Right. Wow. Did you did you not notice that? How Lee said, you know what, I'm done with you. Oh, yeah, and another issue I have with the production here is he goes back for twice. The initial time he goes back, Six opens the door, and he says something inaudible. But they cut into the opening Cruiserweight match. Again, this is what WCW, they can't help themselves. They can't give the opening match the the time and the emphasis it deserves because we're going to go back and cut in on an NWI angle that amounts to nothing. You don't even get a payoff there. He gets turned away at the door, but yet we're going to cut into this NWO angle and talk about it during the rest of the Cruiserweight match. Um, we had this actually during the first couple of matches. WCW, they have really got to stop downgrading the rest of the card to talk about NWO or this, that, or the other because it has become a, a habitual type of thing, and guess what? When NWO, when the, the ship sails on that, you have devalued the entire undercard by doing nothing but talking about NWO this, NWO that during your other matches. So, again, something during the opening match, they cut into the opening match to see Marshall right. go backstage. And I kind of wanted to go there because that's why we, I mean, no, you perfect timing. Uh, because now that Stagger Lee goes back, you know, and he's, look, Six, I understand, but I'd like to talk to the big man, you. Get out of here now. This interview is going to be great. Sorry. Anytime I see Lee Marshall, I think of Tony the Tiger. Here's what I cannot believe happened. We've been watching wrestling a long time, folks. And literally just for an interaction with a person in a locker room who got a snotty spit shot at him, he gets a can of mace in the face. I mean, we all understand that Scott Steiner is insane and, you know, a loose cannon. But wouldn't the can of mace go to the NWO guy that did the spitting? And then handcuffed what? and then out of there. One would think, but here, let's, let's recap here. So he gets maced and arrested, whereas the NWO attempted vehicular manslaughter on the Steiners weeks back, and there was no repercussions. Oh, yeah, they caught the second guy because they never get the first guy. So the NWO would try to get the Steiners in a car crash, vehicular manslaughter. But you know what? That's spitting. That'll be the end of them. Well, but 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 no, but no. Steiner gets spit on. He doesn't even do the spitting. He got spit on, right? Right. right. <laughs> he gets arrested. Right, and maced, and handcuffed. <laughs> well, That's our WCW, folks. That is our World Championship Wrestling. <laughs> You're talking about the same company. They had a guy come out in a spray-painted silver stormtrooper mask, trip over the, you know, the uh, two-by-four in the little <laughs> fake stage that was made, who was supposed to be the member, the newest member. I th- was he supposed to be Four Horsemen, or was it War Games? Uh, he team up with Thing and Luger. Nah, I don't. He was, Shockmaster wasn't a horse. I don't know what he was. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what he was supposed to be, though. Which table he was <laughs> But he wasn't employed much later, that's for sure. Oh, boy. I love my WCW. Don't get me wrong, but it's things like these that made me just, you know, it's... What did C.C. Williams, uh, Freedom Williams say? Things that make you go, hmm? Yeah, CNC Music Factory. WCW Women's Champion Akira Hakuto taking on uh, Medusa. And uh, Medusa, Mad USA, as they call her, is packing a little extra heat upstairs. 
I don't know if you noticed that, but um, mm-hmm. she's that's a lot of material to hold in a lot of Medusa upstairs. I'm not sure how she's able to work because she's yeah. a tall girl for starters. I mean, she's a when I say big, I don't mean like you know uh, big Bertha big. I mean she's tall. She's a she's a whole lot of woman, and now she added about 17 pounds on each side of her. Uh, uh-huh. She's a very large woman. Uh, now we had asked previous weeks, you know, after that run-in with. Uh, Luna Vachon, hey, what are we going to get? Are we going to get any kind of payoff here? Well, we did, actually. Medusa tries a powerbomb, but Luna Vachon runs in and kicks Medusa in the leg. Akira then rolls up Medusa to retain the title. This was a rough match to watch. Um, there was just no flow. Now, uh, Freudian slip of the night, Matthew, and tell me if you caught this or not. When they go back to Tony Schiavone, he goes, we'd like to keep you abreast of the situation. Okay, keep that phrase in there. Let's go back. As uh, Okudo uh, is walking out, a fan grabbed her. Oh, on the slap, and he literally gave her the reach over and just grabbed her. I missed that. I don't know if, I mean, there's not much there. She's an athlete, so she's not, you know, Medusa. But uh, if reaches over, folks, go ahead and uh, when you order the replay on Tuesday, Take a look. Very quick, I think a fan grabs her right in a hoo-hoo. How about that? I'll have to. How about that? WCW Tag you said, Team. You said, a, uh, you said a fan, not, not Shivani, right? No, it wasn't Shivani, but he says, let's keep you abreast of the situation. <laughs> WCW World Television Thanks. Champion Prince Iakea taking on Lord Steven Regal. Um, it, it didn't have a lot of heat to it, but I'll tell you what uh, – Iakea reverses the whip, nails the backdrop. The prince hits Regal with everything uh, Jimmy Snook has, then reverses a roll-up into a pinning combination <coughs> and actually digs his head into the mat for leverage. Bobby calls it out right there to get the one, two, three. Um, Regal's pissed, and he puts on the Regal stretch on uh, Iakea. So uh, I thought it was a, a solid match, but... Just not a lot of heat to it. A lot of good wrestling, right? You know, but not a lot of heat to it. Your thoughts? No, I, I agree. Uh, it, I, I was kind of hoping to see Regal get the win. I just think he's more of an interesting person to have the title than than Prince. Uh, Prince, great athlete, but I just I'm not seeing a lot as far as necessarily uh, you know not necessarily seeing a lot to get him over. And I mean I know it's kind of what they're trying to use the belt for, but uh, yeah, it was what it was. I like the fact. that Regal was able to get some of his heat back, but yeah, I just I don't I don't know how long I see the Prince holding this title. Fair enough. Me and Gene Okerlund had uh, ringside bringing out the thirteen time confirmed now instead of them confusing us with the fifteen and the thirteen. The thirteen time world champion Ric Flair <coughs> to say he's ready to come back from his surgery May one. You had production um, issues. I had one too. Gene is ready. He's ready to do an interview. And before they start talking, she goes, no, 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 over to the side a little bit here. Come on. Dude, tell me that wasn't sloppy. Yeah. Absolutely sloppy. Because they're talking to Gene, talking about the, you know, one the WCW hotline. It's too hot to handle. And then they turn around. Gene's got to know where his mark is. Here comes Ric Flair. And then as they're ready to talk, somebody either says you're not on your mark or they go, eh, you know what, we need a better shot over here. Move. We're on live TV, folks. you got to hit your marks. Or work with the mark that they got. Don't make the talent move. Good Lord. Ah. So 
uh, Rick Flair says something very interesting in this little interview, too. He goes, if there's one thing I do before I leave this wrestling world, I will put both hands behind my back, get down on my knees, and I will fight you. Or what was his exact words? But he goes, and you know what? It won't be with a pencil. There's a little background there, Matthew. Do you hear what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I'm wondering. I'm wondering, has Ric Flair been hurt this entire time, or is he being held off the TV by the guy with the pencil? That's a that's a good question, but uh, it sounds like his return is going to happen in Charlotte, and I'm not too excited about who he who he invited to uh, return with. He got clearance from the Carolina Panthers. He was asked by the by the uh, horsemen to join. Maybe that's why Mongo Michael or Mongo Michaels uh, had decided <laughs> to <laughs> uh, Mongo McMichael had decided to say something along the lines of I feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick. Not only is Kevin Green joining the horsemen, but now he thinks that Jared is fooling around with his wife and showing her his double J. Please, can we just let the Kevin Green thing go? I mean, once was enough. Last year was enough. Do we really have to revisit the Kevin Green thing? And he got turned on by McMichael. The horseman attacked him. Why does he want to have anything to do with the horse? Who knows? Maybe they've forgiven and forgotten and let it go. Who knows? Carolina Panthers said, go ahead, Kev. Do what you got to do, buddy. Go ahead and wrestle if you want to wrestle. The public enemy, uh, taking on Jeff Jarrett and Steve McMichael with Deborah Flowers and a steel briefcase. Public Enemy coming out with a table. Now, <clears throat> Mongo throws up the four because that's the only way this young man is going to get a pop from the crowd. Because uh, if he doesn't have that little chihuahua with him when he was doing commentary, that's it. Uh, Jarrett goes for the figure four until Rocco Rock comes in, nails Jarrett in the head with the briefcase, the ref counts Jared's shoulders for the free, uh, three count while he still has grunge in the hold. I thought the horsemen were on the way up. Rick Flair coming back's on the way up. They talk about Arn Anderson's going on in a knife Tuesday morning. He's on the way up. You know, he's going to come back from that injury, right? From that surgery. <coughs> wow. Yeah, about the only person that's got momentum in the horsemen now is, is Benoit. This whole Jarrett. Mongo thing, I feel like it's really just devalued the Horseman, and the Horseman should have been such a good fit for Jarrett. Jarrett in the Horseman, to me, makes sense. It should have been such a good vehicle, but ever since he's been in the company, he's been playing grab-ass with McMichael and Deborah in this little feud, and I, I just it amazes me. I really feel like this whole deal, and I mean, honestly, the inclusion of McMichael has a lot to do with it, but I feel like he's really devalued the Horseman. Mean Gene Oakland's in the locker room alongside the Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. Matthew Thomas. I'm a man from um, the south side of Milwaukee. So, you know, the mean streets of Bayview, if you will. And uh, colorful language has been known to fly out of my mouth once in a while. I try not to be insensitive when the colorful words come out. I mean, I've, I've said things that, you know, shouldn't be said in church or around old women. Booker T tonight, he uh, he dropped the N-bomb. Hulk Hogan, I'm coming yep. for you. Holy he, he, smokes. He called, 
he calls Hulk Hogan the, the N-word here in this backstage promo. And and uh, you were talking about production issues with me and Gene's interview early, earlier. Well, let's take it to a, to a different stage. If you watch his reaction, he, he realizes what he did as soon as he says it. He grabs his head with both hands. And, uh, yeah, it was a very impassioned promo, and then that was kind of the punctuation he put on. Wow. Let's hope it doesn't send Hulk Hogan off on a rant you know, 20 years down the road and be banned from wrestling. Let's just hope not. But Hulk Hogan has got a mean, mean-looking Booker T coming at him. Do you know the story about Booker T? I mean, granted, that's his real brother. Stevie Ray is actually yeah. his brother. Do you know Booker T's uh, been in jail? He, yeah, Booker T he had a, a very brother, troubled right? childhood. Um, wrestling kind of saved him, to be honest with you. So, yeah, Booker T, uh, talking street about Hulk Hogan. The match of the night, the match I was really looking forward to, uh, one of two, actually, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. You know, there's a term in wrestling, folks, that they use called mechanics. Um, Some mechanics actually do cut promos well and do have persona and do have charisma. But, uh, you know, most are the the guys that create the movement, as you said. Most are the ones that really make the other look good. We had two mechanics working tonight, and we got a match. Matthew, thoughts on Benoit and Malenko? Oh, match of the night by far. Fantastic, uh, fantastic part of the show. The only thing that really kind of crossed me up, Jacqueline, Jimmy Hart, Eddie Guerrero, Arn Anderson, Kevin Sullivan. Why? Why did we need all of this in a Benoit-Malenko uh, match? They just can't help themselves, can they? They cannot help themselves. Now, I didn't mind it when Jacqueline was at because it was going to be her and a woman kind of working their own little thing. And Jacqueline's been getting a nice little pop from the crowd, especially when she's, you know, taking on men. And I, I didn't mind seeing Jacqueline, but when you brought it everybody else, man, it's just it really takes away from such a good match. So now that Scott Steiner's been arrested and maced and, uh, you know, left on the floor, last we've seen screaming – Ricky! Ricky! Somebody call Mommy! <laughs> the WCW World Tag Team Champion, I said singular, Kevin Nash, along with Six and Ted DiBiase, takes on Rick Steiner. So a singles match will determine who is the Tag Team Champions. This is our WCW, folks. Um, this match was also very odd, had a weird feel. As um, Dusty was talking about the cracks, of the NWO, the New World Order, they started to show in this match. Um, Nash, jackknife powerbombing anybody that will get in the way uh, and beating, just beating Rick Steiner. Ted DiBiase told him to stop, it's too much. Six told him to stop, it's too much. Nick Patrick told him he didn't want anything to do with it. It it was just oddball, man. Why? I I don't understand. What are we supposed to receive from this? Yeah, I I didn't mind it as much as you did, just because it's a little bit of a different story than the NWO dominating and coming out on top like we've seen almost for the last year. Uh, I kind of actually enjoyed the the finish and kind of the suspense there of, you know, okay. And I think the main reason is because we haven't seen Nash as a singles competitor since he's been in the company. And, I mean, remember, this is a guy just removed – you know, just removed what one and a half years, two years from being, right, from being the WWF champion. champion. Yeah, so this is a big, intimidating dude. So I like the fact that you're getting vicious 
uh, Nash out there that's that's throwing this guy in the turnbuckle four or five times and you know fine before he calls it quits. So I I didn't mind this because you got a little more of a glimpse of a, of Nash with a with a with a mean streak, not just laughing, joking Nash that you've seen with the outsiders. So I didn't mind it because you got that. Um, again, there's just a lot of moving pieces here with the mm-hmm. with the NWO and just just a lot going on here. I mean, Gene is still in the locker room. They won't let him out. Uh, now he's with Lex and the Giants, and they say to each other, let the best man win, which apparently means it won't be Harlem Mead. Booker T versus Stevie Ray versus Lex Luger versus the Giants. Two separate tag teams are now in singles match, which is a four corners match, which means any two competitors can be in the ring. The winner of this match, the one that gets the pinfall victory, will be the next number one contender for Hollywood Hulk Hogan's WCW World Championship belt. It, um, hmm. it, it, that's our WCW, folks. It, it was a crazy match. I'll tell you this. The winner of the match, Giant, gives the title shot to Lex Luger by tagging himself out, letting Luger get the pinfall. Your new number one contender, Lex Luger. Um, let's skip over this, honestly, because it just, I don't know. Hulk Hogan hasn't been around in how long he's hanging on with uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah. And the NWO was doing right. Let's skip over to another match I was really looking forward to. Uh, and it starts off with Randy Savage and Elizabeth walking down the hallway looking for the ring and yelling, not a problem. I like it. Slim Jim's for everybody. Yeah, I'm going to get about 14 to 22 women. Yeah. Liz, you okay with that? <laughs> Liz? Um, <laughs> okay. What happened to our little Lizzie? Our little Lizzie in WWF, who was cute, yeah. came out to pomp and circumstance and... Do, 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 and got put up on the shoulders and pretty, and you know she said nice things and yep. good promo out of Kimberly. DDP sat yep. there. Kimberly cut the promo, and you know what? I'm gonna let him be all pissed off because now the odds are even. Bang, man, Kimberly, nice, um, great stuff. And this match, Randy versus DDP, I thought was exactly what it needed to be. It was a great one. Um, be all end all at the end. Uh, by the way, did you know that they had a backup ring bell? Uh, I did not, but it makes sense in case it was an on the uh, regular ring bell. You couldn't take a wrench and just bang the, the post? <laughs> bang, 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 bang. I mean, come on. All that is is a bell drilled onto a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this particular match uh, ends up nice and clean at the end, diamond cutter on the macho. Nick Patrick has to count to one, two, three. We just got done talking about a very mean and focused and mean street Kevin Nash. What did we see in the aisleway? Giggling Kevin Nash. Yeah. Dude, manic depressive, anyone. After Nick Patrick counts to one, two, three, Kevin Nash comes down and just beats on Patrick. Here comes <coughs> all of the NWO fans. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall, and, yeah. We we start, we we go up to the commentary. WCW has this weird thing where they go back to commentary and they surmise and close the shore for us for three minutes or so. It's very yeah. anticlimactic. Close in the ring. Close on the action. Leave us wanting more. Don't take us away from the action and then, you know, have yeah. your talking heads go. Thoughts? No, I, I'm... 
I really like the fact that this match closed the snow. I didn't think it would. And I, like we've said before, I feel like out of everybody that's benefited from this NWO thing, as far as talent, that's in a much better place than they were previously. DDP is the main one. And, I mean, he got a win over Macho Man tonight to headline the pay He got a main so. event, pay-per-view yep. win, clean. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, so I really, laid out in the center of the ring. Yep, I really like that. And I really feel like DDP's been really one of the only WCW homemade stars that they've made since this NWO deal happened almost a year ago. So I'm glad to see uh, DDP's stock continue to rise. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, that is WCW Spring Stampede for 1997, April 6th. Along with Matthew Thomas on the Man to Call Media. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, don't forget to visit the PWR Now Network. Lots of great stuff. PWR Primetime. We've also got plenty more stuff. And again, always a post show live after the pay per views. So, for Matthew, I'm the Man to Call Media. Thanks for stopping by. So long, everyone. <laughs>